welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. We'll start there. Before we jump in, a couple of, uh, one thing I want to say. Uh, Greg Gilbert has put some stuff in the gallery. Greg is an artist in our community. Amazing. Did you guys see those trees back there? Wow! I'm like just struck by the level of detail. Um, so Greg is our artist in residence for like the next month or so. And he'll be with us... Uh, November 6th, I think he's going to share a little bit about his stuff. So please, um, check that out in the gallery. Uh, It's lovely, very beautiful. We are in a series called Wells and Fences. So if you're new, welcome to you. That might explain why there's a fence and a fountain behind me. Um, So if you were wondering about that, we'll just address that question so you're not wondering the whole time. But this is a series about who are we as a community? What kind of church do we want to be? And so... We decided uh, at the beginning of this, this fall to kind of head out in this direction to uh, engage in a process in a series talking about what kind of church we want to be. Um, if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. For those of you who are deer hunters, you know, this is coming up in the fall. If you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. So we want to hit something. So what is that? And we're using this image of a bounded set and a centered set to think about how we do community and how we do life together. So on the left is a bounded set. There are Often there are fences in a bounded set. That's why it's called a bounded set. And the question that matters most here is, do you believe what we believe? That determines a lot of things, right? And on the other side is a centered set. And in order to make this work, we're going to talk about this next week in more detail, but in order to make this work, there has to be something that is worth centering yourselves around. And so we're a church And that center for us is the life, death, teachings, resurrection of Jesus the Christ. That's the well. That's what we're committed to. And so what does it mean to be a community that lives like that, where there's not necessarily fences and, you know, to determine who's in and who's out, but like a radical conviction to that which is in the center. So that's what this is about. We've been looking at these affirmations in the covenant, which is the denomination that we're a part of, the Evangelical Covenant Church. So we are in number five uh, this morning. We've looked at the necessity for new birth, that new birth is necessary, some kind of new birth experience, a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit as a part of our life together as people of faith. Uh, we looked at a, um, the centrality of the scriptures, that the word of God is central. And uh, last week we looked at the church as a fellowship of believers. So we're going to continue the conversation this morning on the mission of the church. This is the, affir- the fifth affirmation, the whole mission of the church. Sometimes this gets split up into compartments, and, and I would suggest that sometimes we get uh, some of it, but not all of it. And we want to talk about what's the whole mission of the church? Why are we doing this? There are people all over the world on Sunday mornings and Saturday nights and whenever, but traditionally Sunday mornings, and they gather, and things happen, right? People take communion and sing songs and liturgies and the word. Why? Like, what's the point of this? I don't know if you've ever had that question before. Um, I had a bit of a crisis a few years back on an Easter where I started wondering, like, what, what's the point of all this? Why are we even doing this? That's just not a good thing to be thinking about on Easter morning when you're the preacher. You know what I mean? Like, what, 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 what exactly, what are we doing here? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to sort of back up a little bit and zoom out 
Um, did it just get darker in here? Was that the, just the sun? Wow, amazing. Oh, thank you. It's coming back. Lord, appreciate that one. I want to zoom out, and I want to look at this question of what is the purpose of this group of people? Why do we exist? What is the church? I want to look at a couple of different levels this morning. To answer this question of what's the purpose of the church, I think you have to click a couple of levels deeper. You have to talk about what are the people of God in the scripture, so we'll look at that briefly. But even more than that, I think it has to do with what does it mean to be human? So what's the mission of the church, but what does it mean to be human? And how are those two things connected? That's where we're going this morning. That's what I want to try to do. So if I were to ask you the question, what's the purpose of the church? This is an all play. Shout it out. It's really hard to hear, and I got a fountain up here now. So what's the purpose of the church? If someone were to ask you, what's the mission or the purpose of the church, what would you say? Community. Community. Good. What else? Service to others. others. Okay. Love. Love. Good. Say it again. Peacemakers. Ah. Relationships. Worship. Event planning. Evangelism. Oh, very different. <laughs> to be clear, we're on a roll. Okay. First hour was flat, you guys. I don't know what happened, but I'm so glad we get a chance to do this again. It was bad. What is the purpose of the church? Very good. You guys are lively, too. I love that. I love it. Um, yeah, I think sometimes, sometimes if you, depending on who you're talking to, these are common responses that I get from people when I ask this question. What's the purpose of the church? Evangelism? That's probably the most common response I get. Like, what's the purpose of the church? Evangelize. Like, tell people about Jesus. Um, at its worst form, getting souls saved. I've heard that one before. It's like, oh, man, that makes me want to break out in hives. Not that that's not important or that there isn't some bit of truth in that, but it's very reductionistic. It just reduces it down to something that it's bigger than that. And on the other side, sometimes you get like, serve the poor, feed the hungry, clothe uh, those that don't have clothes. What are they called? Um, (laughs) You know, uh, find homes for the homeless. And these two things, guys, if you didn't know this, these are reactions to one another. Right? The most common response I think you get when you talk about the church and the purpose of the church, they're actually reactions to one another. All the people on this side are often saying, it's evangelism, it's evangelism, and the folks who are saying, no, it's this, are reacting to that, and vice versa. But often when you get these kind of pendulum swings, right, what's missing is actually that there's truth in both of them. And that one without the other is anemic, and it's not enough. So I want to suggest to you, one of the things that we're trying to do at Awaken is walk this, this razor's edge between polar opposites, or what seem to be polar opposites often, that I would suggest are actually need to be brought together. So yes to evangelism, yes to giving word to your faith in Christ, that's important, and yes to social justice or the social gospel, as they used to call it back in the day. You know, all the liberals, they believe in the social gospel, and us conservatives, we're about evangelism. That was the, that was the fight. And I think that it's got to be both. We've got to bring those two together. So, here we go. This is my attempt to do so. The purpose of the church, you've got to begin with what does it mean to be human? What's the purpose of humans? So, if you have your Bibles, Genesis 1. 
In verse 11, I want to just walk through a couple of things that we see in Genesis 1 that speak to what it means to be human. Verse 11 says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation. The Hebrew word there is dashat, and it means to sprout, to grow, like to make something come alive. Dashat. So somehow, in the story, God embeds in creation the capacity for life. If you watch these trees and you were to take a picture of them now, but then take a picture of them, oh boy, five months from now, if I'm being generous, they will have sprouts on them. Something will have changed. There's no leaves now, but then there will be. What is that? Who makes them do that? Have you ever watched a tulip in the spring or a crocus? The crocus is a crazy flower. They don't even care about the snow. When the sun comes out, they're like, now's our time to shine, and they just bop. Who makes them do that? According to the story, God has embedded in creation like the capacity for new life. It's fascinating. Let the land produce something. So it has an energy all to its own. Then if you keep going, in verse 26 it says, let us, God says, let us make humans in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea. And then in verse 28 it says, God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, so we have rule, we have fill, and subdue it. Now these three words, if you tie them all together, there's this sense of like, rada is to rule or reign or have dominion over, like a king would rada over his kingdom to rule, to reign. So let us make humans in our image and let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, all over the earth, right? So humans have this invitation, as it were, to fill the earth, fill it, fulfill, malah, and then kabash, to subdue, to essentially, here, here's, here's the thread. If you tie all those things together, there's this sense in which God invites you and me to be responsible for and to steward creation, which has the capacity for life. So what does it mean to be human? It's to recognize that this is not a static thing. Like God didn't just, it's not a watchmaker, right? God created the watch, hits go, and then steps back. No, there's a sense in which creation has the capacity for new life. We have a new baby right over here. Come on now. I could just pray and call it good right? What a wonder. God has given you and I an invitation, not to rule with authority like a, a king with his thumb on his, no, but to steward and to partner. So if we're going to talk about the mission of the church, we have to first talk about what does it mean to be human. And I want to suggest that what it means to be human in the scriptural story is that you've been invited to steward and partner with the divine in the ongoing creation of the world. No big deal. This is massive, right? This is huge. Universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, one author calls it. This is what was, this is what was in the beginning. Shalom, peace, harmony. So this is what we're invited into, and we're invited to care for and to steward what's happening in the world, which is why, my friends, art and creativity and beauty and care for the earth is not just for the flaming liberal tree huggers. That's a joke. <laughs> I would suggest to you that it's any human who follows God has been invited to this work. 
That's why this is important to us. For a long time, the church has been void of art and creativity, which has a lot to do with our history, and we could go into that, but not for today. All that to say, make sure you check out Greg's art in the back. It's big. This is big. Universal flourishing wholeness and delight. So, if this is what it means to be human, let's take it a click deeper, or a click up. What then does this have to do with the people of God in the scriptures? Did you know that there are two peoples of God in the scripture? In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, you have a group of people called Israel that is born in Abram, and then in the book of Acts, chapter 2, you have a group of people called the church. The people of God in the, in the scripture are Israel to begin with, and then in Jesus, the church. What is the church's job, or what is the people of God's job in the scriptures? I would suggest to bless and defend. Here's a couple of verses, and I, I think you could find more. These are just two examples. Genesis chapter 12 says this. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you, the land I will cause you to see. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Part of what it means to be the people of God in the scriptures is to be a blessing. When's the last party you showed up to, and a Christian walked in the door, and they're like, let the blessing begin, baby. <laughs> right? Nobody ever told me that, that this is part of the job of the church or the people of God. But your job, my job in the world, according to this and this thread, and I suggest it runs from Genesis 12 through Israel all the way to the church in Acts chapter 2, is to be a blessing. You have been blessed so that you will be a blessing in the world. To bless and defend. Now this is where it gets tricky. I'm going to do a little switcheroo on you, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 24 says this. Do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. Now here it is. When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, do not go back and get it, but leave some for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands. We're cool with blessing. Okay, yeah, the job of the people of God in Scripture, it's to bless. You've been blessed to be a blessing. And to defend. Okay, defense. What does defense usually look like? Hmm. Somehow we get this idea that God, I think many, think that God needs us to defend God. But fascinatingly, that never shows up in the text. God never says, I could use your help defending myself. <laughs> never. Nowhere in the whole story of the Scriptures do we get that. God doesn't say, I need you to defend the Constitution or America or prayer in school or any of those things. God says, defend the fatherless, the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Defend the one who can't defend themselves. Defend the one on the edges. Defend the one in the margins. Defend the one who has no voice. This is the one I would like you to help defend. Come on, get an amen. Preach a Micah. So God says, bless and defend Bless and defend the people of God in the scriptures. This is the job. You've been blessed to be a blessing. Now, take that blessing, take that advantage, take that 
yes and turn it into some good in the world. Defend someone, help, be an advocate, work for justice and for mercy and for compassion. Now, there's a million different ways you could do this, right? At Awaken, over the last year, we've asked the Lord, lead us to some partners that we can partner with in the world. And when we found and started hearing about IJM, well, here's what I said. These people are doing the hardest work on the planet for the most vulnerable people on the planet. That's what I want to get involved with. Because if the gospel isn't the gospel there, it's not the gospel. So, Troy, John, come on up here. These guys are going to share a little bit about IGM. We are entering an official partnership with them that includes our prayer, your hearts, our money, and here's what it does. So, Troy, John, yes. tell us a little bit about what you do at IJM. Great. Hi, guys. I'm Troy Gross. Hi, Troy. Hi, Micah and Awaken. I actually go here. been here about a year and a half, uh, live in this neighborhood, so just so grateful to be here. And uh, I played on the softball team this Come summer, which was... Which I cataloged did, a few W's. A couple. Yeah. Well done. A couple. Um, but you had fun. But we had a good time. Actually, had a great, great good. time. Uh, so I'm the director of events and artist partnerships at IJM. We've got about 30 to 40 awareness events and fundraising events that we do around the country. Uh, we also partner with artists who are out there telling our story. We also believe in that art and faith and justice combination that to support artists, they're really uh, making an impact in our world. So they share about our work and uh, we support them and I'm really grateful. So that's what I do there. I've been there about two and a half years. You throw great parties. Yes, that's right. Awesome. John, what about you? My name is John Good, and I am a church mobilization director for IJM. And that means I mobilize churches. Makes sense. I just started this summer. I'm brand new with IJM. Uh, I work with churches in 10 states in the Midwest, and I come here this morning all the way from Edina. Welcome from the other side. Uh, Troy, yeah. tell us a little bit about like the heart of IJM's work. Sure. So our goal is to protect the poor from violence. Uh, there's some people here probably way on the inside of the conversation about human trafficking, modern day slavery in our world. There's about 45 million slaves that have been identified. Uh, about uh, half of them uh, reside in India. And so we're on the kind of the front lines of helping to protect them. We partner with local law enforcement. We do undercover investigations. We bring that evidence to the authorities then we uh, work to prosecute, well, we do the rescues and then work to prosecute those that are uh, the perpetrators. And that's what really sends the ripple effect. So we stand up in a court of law on behalf of someone who would never have the ability to, to uh, be able to afford uh, or have any dream of being uh, represented in court and take their case all the way through to the end to see that this brothel owner or bonded laborer uh, slave master is put in jail for the crimes that they're committing. Um, it's uh, embedded into us as believers that uh, all humans uh, are, are valuable, that, that life is valuable. And so we uh, uh, work to defend them uh, across the world. Wow. John, tell us a little bit about um, how the local church connects to IGM's work. Uh, IJM is a relatively young and small organization. We are still in our teenage years, less than a thousand employees. We're in about 15 countries doing the kind of work that Troy just described with the most vulnerable. But compared to other large NGOs which are doing fantastic work, we're still pretty small. 
our partnerships with local congregations allow us to exponentially uh, increase our impact, our depth, our breadth. There are 350,000 churches in the U.S. alone. So that's why local church partnerships are so vital to us. Uh, we are an unapologetically Christian organization, and so churches are our natural partners. It makes just perfect sense for us to be engaged with local congregations. Our work is faith-based, but not faith-biased. So our Christian faith is our motivation, but we serve people of all faiths and people of no faith. It's the vulnerability that is the, the factor, not the faith. Would you tell, I'm sure that you could tell a hundred of these stories, but one example of uh, IGM's work and how you've seen the good news about Jesus um, proclaimed and seen. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a pastor myself. I, I served as the mission pastor at Christ Presbyterian in Edina, and we were an IJM partner congregation. So I saw the impact in our congregation uh, in many ways. People's lives were changed as they became aware that they could become involved in mission with particular gifts of justice and advocacy and prayer and giving of their finances. That was a new way for them to be engaged. And that's what IJM does, tries to bring out from congregations folks who have a heart for justice ministries but don't quite know how to use that heart. Mm -hmm. So I've seen it from a church perspective. And then the other way that Troy and I have seen it, particularly through IJM this year, we're learning that when you fight evil, evil fights back. And this year, evil fought back in a horrific way in Kenya. We are at work there to fight the police abuse of power. So corruption of police in Kenya, unfortunately, is endemic to the culture. So our, our, our colleague, Willie Kamani, who's on IJM staff in Nairobi, was representing a client who had been abused by the police. And the two of them and their driver had just emerged from a court hearing, and on their way back to the IJM office, they were abducted. And it turns out they were abducted by police officers. And for a week, we couldn't find them. They were not located. A week later, all three of their bodies were found in the river. This is the absolute worst nightmare for any organization but what we're finding is that the Lord is using this horrific tragedy in a way that no one could have imagined. There were protests in the streets of Nairobi. The memorial service for all three of these gentlemen, Willie and Josephat, the client, and Joseph, the driver, for all three of them, that memorial service was broadcast live on national television in Kenya. This has touched a nerve in a way that no one has ever seen before. And we believe it's a direct result of the prayers, not just of IJM staff, but of our prayer partners, people in local churches like this one, who have said, Lord, make something good come of this. Mm -hmm. So there's a tipping point that has been re reached in the country of Kenya. And we believe that God is redeeming this awful tragedy in a way that only God can. That's the gospel. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Both Troy and John are going to be available after the gathering.
Um, just so you know, at Awaken, we committed uh, $3,000 of tithes and offerings that this church has given to the work at IGM, which was actually matched as a part of a program that's happening right now, so it turned into six. I mean, snaps, that's good math. It's like a 100%, right? That's great. And uh, so that is happening, and we want to encourage you all, as this church, to be in prayer with them and for them. So in the back, if you want to uh, pray with IJM, fill one of these out. You get a weekly uh, prayer update from their office about things that are happening, more stories about, like Kenya, um, that are happening around the world. And then there's also, uh, if, if you are interested in being what's called a freedom partner, so if you're familiar with like Compassion or World Vision, you can sponsor a child. This is basically saying, I'm involved in IJM's work. Um, on my own dime, and it's a financial commitment you make. Uh, this book comes with it. Uh, Jim Martin preached here a few months ago. Great guy. So those are just a couple of ways that you all, that we can be involved beyond our prayer and, uh, and financial support to IGM. So I share that not because like IGM's uh, is, is the answer to all of the problems of the world, but it's just one way in which the church of Jesus, the, the people of God, are blessing and defending in the world, which is part of who we've been called to be. Amen? Amen. Lastly, I want to say this. If we're talking about the mission of the church, and this is, this, is my, this is where we start imagining, this is where we start dreaming and hoping and praying about what it would look like if the church was the church in the world. And I would, I would argue that we become representatives and outposts. Does anybody remember Dances with Wolves? Remember this old movie with Kevin Costner? He's sent by the American uh, government out to like the frontiers of Native American lands. It's a on a lot of levels, it's a terrible story, but he's an outpost of, like, the government, right? And this guy is supposed to essentially, like, this is what it looks like to live as an American and, and uh, like, upholds the values of what he's being sent from. Now, just translate that to another metaphor or take that metaphor and apply it to the gospel and the church of Jesus. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, it's, a, it's, a, it's around you, it's, a, it's within you, it's, it's near you, and this thing called the kingdom is like an alternative way of living in the world. It's an alternative way of being human. So when you and I, when we do what we're called to do as the church, when we live into the hopes and dreams that God has for the people of God in the world, known as the church, what we become is outposts and representatives. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5. He says, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through you. Snaps! As though God were making his appeal of reconciliation and restoration and redemption that the God of the universe who has this in his heart for the world is doing it through you. That's what Paul's saying. Oh, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. When the church of Jesus happens, when the people of God happen in the world, as God dreamt of it and intended it to be, we become ambassadors, representatives, and outposts. So when you show up to work tomorrow morning, you don't just do TPS reports. You don't just fix the pipe that's leaking. You don't just care for the little ones in your in your care. You don't just teach the ones who've been entrusted to you. You don't just do law for the sake of law. You don't just run numbers for the sake of numbers. You don't just landscape for the sake of landscaping. No, 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 no. It's bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. You, as the church of God in the world, have been called, invited to be an outpost of the kingdom so that when people meet you, they meet the kingdom. When people see you, they see Jesus. When they talk to you, they hear the values of the kingdom, and you bless 
bless and you defend. You bless and you defend. Friends, this is the mission of the church. It's bigger than just one thing or the other. It's both. It's the gospel proclaimed and the gospel lived. It's together. This is what we've been called to do. So I don't know where you've come from this morning. I don't know how you walked in the door. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you had gotten to the point when you're like, ah, I don't know, what am I doing anyways? Why do I do whatever it is that I do? Or what is it that I've been called to do? And I want to just suggest the possibility that there is a story happening right here, right now, in our midst, in our day. God, would you do something that only you could do through your church? So I don't know what you pray for. I don't know what makes you bang the table. I don't know what gets you up in the middle of the night or just infuriates you. I would suggest that whatever that is is connected to what's deepest in you. And my hope and my prayer as your pastor is that you feel compelled, drawn, pushed, invited this morning to consider that thing that you wake up for that gets you going, that flips your lid, that trips your trigger, that you would feel invited to connect that to the mission of the church, the mission of God in the world, which has a church, and it's you. That's, that's pretty alarming. It's pretty arresting. It's pretty unbelievable. And yet, it's right here. This is the story. So my friends, I would invite you today, whatever it is that you do with your waking hours, is it possible to do that thing with the posture of blessing and stewarding something that you've been given to bless others and defend those who may need your defense, your advocacy, your finances, your resources, your heart as an outpost of an alternative reality, also known as the kingdom of God. Come on now, people. Pray with me, if you will. God, as we take a moment of silence and consider what it means to be your church, I pray that whatever baggage we've brought into this place, whatever hurts we may have experienced at the hands of this church, whatever images or experiences we've had with this church that have been less than what you dreamt of, I pray, God, that you would gently find us and remind us that it's bigger, that it's more beautiful. Isn't she beautiful? that you have hopes and dreams that have yet to have been realized, that you have plans and an invitation for us. And so, God, in this moment of silence, as we open ourselves to your Spirit's work, speak. Wherever we are, whatever we're carrying, to the deepest places of our hearts, and engage us. Incite our imagination, I pray. May it be true that when you leave, when the church, Big C, leaves the buildings that they find themselves in today, that the world hears that. One voice, one song, one Lord, one table, one resurrection, one good news.
It's not just the missionaries on the cork board represented by the pins. It's you. It's us. On mission. Doing whatever it is that we do. Connected to that story. This story. So, the church gathered here in St. Paul. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.